Hello and welcome to Talking Tent, a podcast about movies and television. I'm Zach. And I'm Irma. Today we are talking on the television side some time hopping jubilee with the end of Bodies on Netflix, a British show that we talked about briefly. And of course, the season finale of season two of Loki. So we'll be talking about how both shows handled time jumping and and time travel and uh, which one, well, which one we prefer. I don't know. We'll just, it'll be a general discussion. And then we had three excellent movies this week that we watched. One in the theaters, The Holdovers with Paul Giamatti, Alexander Payne's newest movie. David Fincher's newest movie on Netflix called The Killer. And finally, a lovely, pleasant Road Trip Sister Family Comedy starring Aquafina and Sandra Oh on Hulu called Quiz Lady. So uh, I think we're going to have a pretty positive episode this week, wow, darling. that's a change. I, well, a little bit. Sometimes things ebb and flow a bit, but this week I think I liked almost everything. But first, we'll start like we always do with some marital bliss. What did we do this week? Well, I'll let you talk about it. Oh, I'll talk about it. I was just asking Irma, did we do anything? We did one very special thing. Both of my parents are turning 70 years old. One has, one will uh, this year. So we combined it into one glorious dinner at world-renowned Le Bernardin, three Michelin-starred top 50 restaurant in the world, Eric Repair, who you've probably seen on several different food television shows. He comes on Top Chef a lot. He was famously very good friends with Anthony Bourdain and part of his very tragic story. So that's sad. Um, but we had a lovely dinner. Yeah, we got the tasting menu, which was nice. We didn't have to think. Of course, I only go to these fancy places. We're only getting the tasting menu. I'm even surprised they have a prefix. I know, me too, actually. But it's such a... Staple? Yeah, it's such a staple or an icon. Well, it's also like a big restaurant. Yes. I feel like with a lot of these like three Michelin star very fancy restaurants, a lot of times it's like they don't have that many seatings. Like this felt kind of more of like a standard restaurant that like you can get the tasting menu or you can order a meal. Yeah. Well, actually, I feel like the threes, which there are not that many anymore. There's only four mm. Michelin Guide. We looked up, released their new things. Ever? No, there's no four more. in New York. Yeah. Um, Because a few have lost or dropped. Uh, But I feel like isn't 11, 11 Madison Park also pretty big? Like yeah. it's like a restaurant mm -hmm. as opposed to like we're talking the, the few but other I feel spots. Like even 11 Madison Park, like they did more specialized things. Like with that, they brought us all into the kitchen. Mm, yeah. They had like some special things. Thing. Yeah. It was just kind of like, I don't know. It was more of like an experience. Like this just felt like, oh, here, welcome. I don't know how to explain it. but I do somewhat agree. This one felt very much, I mean, it was still lovely. It was like still like- get us in, get us out The service was good. No, yeah. they, I didn't feel rushed. No, I know. I didn't feel rushed. It but. just felt like more like a normal restaurant. Yeah. Uh, which is fine mm -hmm. in theory. Like no pomp and circumstance really. Yeah. Except, yeah. Everybody was in uniforms. What did you think of the food? I thought the food was amazing. It's mostly seafood based. It's all seafood. Yeah. I, it was great. 
Very yeah, delicious. Yeah, I prefer my fish raw or mm-hmm. or turned into um, pig or cow or chicken. You made or that joke at veal. the restaurant, Zach. No, I did it in the in the the ta- the ta- Uber home. Oh. Uh, it was a lift, actually. I'd like to say the proper mm. brand. But yeah, no, it was really good. It was really good. Maybe not my favorite of our fancied meals that we've done. If you've been listening to us, you know that Irma and I are kind of foodies. We co- we've, but we have dabbled. We do fancy spots. Uh, and actually, overall, from my experiences, I think I prefer the two and one star restaurants for some reason. Maybe it's just my own bias going in and like Mm -hmm. and also just understanding like this this restaurant can't be rated any higher at least by this one scale yeah so like it must be amazing and for sure it was very good and i think like anybody anybody would be impressed by by it and also if you like fish you'll love it like just fish cooked fish is not my number one choice almost ever yeah and they have like a whole like vegetarian tasting menu as well like i think it's like very like it's catering to people who aren't huge meat eaters. You oh yeah. Know, which- and actually, well, the biggest thing that I was impressed by was my, uh, my brother-in-law it has uh, particular things that he can't eat and he will eat. And he just like uh, several different um, food restrictions. Mm-hmm. And they asked him up front and we all kind of giggled. He told them what he needed and they were like, yeah, we can make that work. And when they brought everything out, they would bring his special and like explain what was different but about not his. many things they had to change. It didn't seem like. Well, right. Well, because we kind of catered the restaurant we chose was like on purpose to be like, this will be the easiest yeah. at least. Um, but even so, like, like little things like the sauce would be different. And I'm thinking that they like that wasn't prepared. That was the, the waiter told the chef this is what they have to do. And they kind of had to figure it out. Yeah. Like what's going to work and what's not going to work. Like a, a truffle butter as opposed to a um like a meteor, a sauce that had bacon in it. And like to try and get mm-hmm. that same vibe, but uh, obviously without the meat. Uh, but yeah, that that I was most impressed by. Yeah, it was really good. And in industry talk. The big one. It happened. Yeah, it the happened. SAG Finally. strike is over. SAG AFTRA came to an agreement with the AMPTP. And uh, well, yeah, whatever. I We don't need to go into all the details. It's about money. It's about AI. It's about um, uh, sharing the streaming revenue and streaming data and understanding what's a hit and what's a not a hit and like whatever. Uh, yeah. So everybody is back. If you saw, if you had noticed since the writer's strike ended and all of the late night shows were back, everybody on them was basically athletes, uh, reality people or musicians, musicians a lot yeah. of musicians. And, and now or even like, like the directors getting out yeah, there, a few of them. like, and then this week you just saw like every commercial was like the rocks here, Jason Statham's here. You know, all all the actors. Oh, were because back. those are know. such big actors. Actually, Zach. I don't even mean Jason Statham. I meant Jason Momoa for some oh. reason. Um, but I don't know. The Rock and like Timothy Chalamet was on SNL singing a song about it. Uh, so everyone's back. Good for the actors. Good for the little actors. Uh, and mostly good for the crews. The crews are back. Thank God. Yeah. And uh, now things can get going again. Yeah. As we break for Thanksgiving. Right. So I think there'll there'll definitely be a very noticeable lack of new material, probably in like six months or like things have already been pushed back, I guess, because they were kind of preparing, but it's just going to be a slower trickle. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's going to be the onslaught again. 
But that's fun. Mm-hmm. Gives us time. Uh, well, the Grammys were announced. Not that we. Oh yeah, really the Grammy nominations. That. Hey, Grammys are tent. Yeah. Uh, my biggest takeaway was, well, the big categories at least. I didn't go so far down the list, but the big categories are all women and John Baptiste. Yeah. And I made a little goofy goof to Irma saying, "Now watch, I bet John Baptiste is going to win." So I saw like um, I follow this account on Instagram. I forget the actual name of the account. Um. But I guess there's a Netflix documentary about John Batiste, and it's so sad. Like his wife was diagnosed with cancer. She beat it like she was in remission. And now it, I guess it came back. And so this is like last time when he was at the Grammys, like she was home, like like in the hospital. And like he was and she was I don't know. It was just it seemed like a really sad thing. So like I'm curious to watch the this um documentary and i bet it'll give him a boost you know what i mean people are gonna be like oh my god john baptiste that's so sad it's really sad (laughs) um i was just looking again because we would just watch boy genius on snl and i would not be surprised if boy genius takes it all home Hmm. because they are first of all fantastic but second of all kind of a nice middle ground if people are like also why i think billy eilish win won a lot a, the album was amazing, uh, but also it's like for people that don't just want to vote for pop. Yeah. There's like, there's like a pop sensibility without it feeling so manufactured. Yeah. And Boy Genius has just made, the, the album's fantastic. Uh, and like, I just feel like there's some, there's something around them. There's a lot of momentum around them, or maybe it's just I, me because I love them. I swear in the past couple of days, they have like every day they've been like popping up on my Instagram exactly. feed. It's been like all over they're the place. They're out there. They're out there. Yeah. They're doing, they're I know doing they the did work. like a collaboration with Catbird, which is like a jewelry brand <laughs> that I love. And so I've just been seeing them all over that, which is kind of annoying. They're out and about. They're, ta- yeah. they're taking advantage of their, their massive explosion, the three of them, uh, which is nice. And then otherwise, I think I would also think if not them, uh, Billy's song for Barbie. I think for like mm. song wise, I think album maybe would, I would vote for Boy Genius, but song wise, uh, that, that song, what was I made for? Yeah. It's so good. It is so good. And like every, the, the, the grant, whoever votes for the Grammys, who that I don't understand, seem to love Billy, but also Taylor Swift is back in the mix with Midnight's, which was definitely not one of her best albums. So we'll yeah. see what happens. So I saw a funny meme. <laughs> Not to always talk about Instagram, but it was uh, Travis and, or, I mean, I'm sorry, Taylor and Travis Kelsey holding hands. And the meme was like, uh, Taylor taking her new album out for a walk. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. Or her next album out for a walk. Wow. <laughs> do we believe this one? I kind of do. Yeah, I do. I it do. It feels so. They were, yeah, they were spotted in Argentina. Yeah. yeah. Also, people are. Football people are are wondering it's the curse of like now he's ruined because why yeah. it's football season. He can't be flying back and forth to Argentina. I mean, it's weird that he went. That all being said, he's still so good. But the Chiefs are the Chiefs are iffier this year, which is interesting. But she never spends nights in these cities. She always flies home. You know, you watch her charts. Oh, yeah. You watch her flight charts. No, but like it's just like a known thing about that her. Do. Yeah. The like it's just know. like. She never st- sp- spends a night in a hotel room. She'll always go back to her apartment in New York. That's crazy. Or in one of her other homes. Must be nice. Yeah. I mean, she's got the money. Got that money. 
is that it? You got anything else? Other taste, other tasty goss? No, I don't All think right. so. All right, TV time. <laughs> TV time. We're going to talk about the Goosebumps finale. <laughs> just kidding. Oh just kidding. Oh my God. <laughs> I roll. You're so annoying about this show the for Goosebumps some reason. Goosebumps finale because we messed it up last week. But it's not the finale. Stop talking about okay, it. Okay, next week we'll talk about the no, Goosebumps finale. No, why do we have to talk about it again? Because it's funny. Oh now it's God. a bit for all of our listeners. They love us. No one, ca- no one is watching this. I know no one's watching Goosebumps. <laughs> so no one wants to hear us talk Maybe about it. Maybe they are. Maybe some people are. Anyway, let's talk about the real meat of the television side. Which one do you want to do first? Should we just dive right into the curse? Or you <gasps> want to talk oh my God, about- I totally forgot about the curse. I didn't even say that off up top. Good gravy. My number one most excitometered. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about the curse. Okay. You when- go. <laughs> Irma was nervous. I'm still if you nervous. And to the excitement. This show is so like it, it didn't give me anxiety watching it. I mean, there were moments for sure. I just like this is like a twelve on the the weird scale, like out of ten. Like I just know it's going to get even weirder than what it is. I think this first episode was just kind of like a setup episode. Um, it's really interesting to see Nathan Fielder like doing scripted and like being an actor for the first time because he's very much like he loves doing like reality type shows but like with real people putting them in awkward situations and then seeing how normal people react and this is kind of similar but opposite like he's like scripting these awkward moments um so it's really interesting to see like what will come out of this like what he deems interesting to him if yeah, that makes I th- sense i think he's doing a pretty good job honestly like I he's was, doing great i was pretty surprised holding his own with emma stone right 100%. exactly emma stone is like so good she's and so if good. you watch this show and you don't think that you're I crazy also, like her different the faces she would make well that's it like i just think like he needs someone like her to just like sit next to him and just like react to his weirdness you yeah. know and also i've said this a few different times i think benny softy is an excellent actor yeah he and really i think is. i mean between the three of them he's Nathan kind Fiel- of like a chameleon sorry yeah no he definitely is i said that during the show mm-hmm. like he in in good time he played a, a mentally challenged person he's played he's played that really nice dad in um the margaret Are you there god it's uh, me margaret you know now he's playing like this creepy film dude like a bro film bro yeah. kind of like he's just oh and the russian guy from oppenheimer he's like yeah. character. he's he's a bona fide character he's having a big year yeah. uh but yeah so the curse sorry i cut you off did you want to say anything else no, i just no, wanted go. to talk about nathan's uh acting because you no, brought yeah, it yeah. up go 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 yeah so obviously i was super excited for this show it is at least from the first episode much different than what I expected. Uh, it's well, I knew it was about this like HGTV, like oh, I did, see, I yeah, did not. I know I you didn't. Know, I didn't know anything about it. I also like it. Absolutely makes sense when we finished the episode. I was like, "Yep." So Nathan Fielder, Betty Softy definitely wrote that because it's like both oh, of their yeah. sensibilities together. But I thought, and maybe it still will, because they, you know, they opened things up, like you said. To the possibility of getting weirder, I thought just based on the softies involvement that it was going to be a lot more intense yeah. and, a le- and like less um, satirical. 
So right now on the on the balance of fielder versus softy, I think it's balanced pretty hard at Nathan Fielder. Fielder, yeah, I like 100%. being awkward and satirical and like a a criticism of kind of the world, but with like of a, like reality TV, yeah, just and you know consumerism and mm. and all of that, and like with a winking eye as opposed to like Good Time or um um Gem. To uncut gems yeah. of being like similarly tense and difficult to watch, but because like you're on the edge of your seat. So we'll see what the balancing act is going yeah, forward. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really good collaboration. Like they're they're a really great pair, I think. Um, and like how many episodes is it? Like ten? I don't yeah. So I it's gonna be like gonna, ten hours of television. Yeah. Like I don't know if I can do it. It's, it's gonna be something if if yeah. anybody did it. And watch. I feel like it has oh. a potential of going supernatural. Like when you think of a curse, like you think of like kind of a supernatural element, at least I do. So I'm curious to see like what actually this curse is. Yeah, well, I assume, and of course they could go where it is kind of that. I assume that there will always be like some shows do the possibility that it's all just circumstance and happenstance. And like Nathan Fielder is just like sh- bad luck. Yeah. And then you, mm. and then Emma Stone will get caught up in like, you didn't actually solve the curse and he'll just be like, this is insane. Uh, but I also, I really appreciate again, speaking of Nathan Fielder that he is not afraid to display himself, even though obviously you're acting, everybody knows you're acting. But I feel like many, many actors would be too scared to look this shitty. Yeah. And like he just doesn't care in his first real acting role, like in a in the public eye. He's just like, I am making myself an awful person. And like and the, the tidy penis thing, like yeah, all oh of my it. God. Just it's so strange. And I'm really excited to see where it's going. It's definitely different than I thought it was going to be. Um, but, Are you excited though? Yeah. I mean, I would like to say, I think I'll give like, yeah. I kind of want, I know like the whole premise of the show is about them like making a pilot for this HGTV show that they're trying to pitch. I don't like, I find for the first episode, but I'm kind of like, I'm not into watching that if I'm being completely honest. Like I am into watching them and like what happens to them. But the whole like HGTV of it all, it's just like, I, I guess because I just watch so much HGTV. <laughs> yeah, so you realize how phony it is. Oh, I, I've always known. I mean, like how like Joanna Gaines, like you were saying, and a lot of people have compared to like, she took Waco, Texas from like a small rural town and the, the pr- housing prices there are probably like skyrocketing just because of all this shit she's created which is like amazing in like theory but like in reality like for some of these like low income people they probably can't afford to live there anymore and that's I think a commentary the show is trying to make um, which I appreciate but like I feel like a lot of people know that but it's also hard when you're watching an HGTV show to really like think about all of that so I don't know it's tough <laughs> gentrification yeah gentrification also the problem here in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, as more and more Michelin starred restaurants that we just yeah. talked about open up around the corner. But it's also like the, like the liberalism and like, I don't know, like all of these, not like the white savior. What's, uh, I forget the right word for it, but That's like, it. well, no, but it's like, um, there's a specific word I'm thinking of like, ah, uh, let me help you. And yeah, I don't know. Thinking that they can, I don't know, just 
go there because it's like a, a t- like a town that's struggling and like save them by like buying houses and do, flipping them. It's like they probably don't need that. I don't know. Anyway. Capitalism is a fickle bitch. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, yeah. I imagine that the show is going to fall apart pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine them being trying to make this show for eight episodes like well also their whole concept is kind of rather flimsy like i mean it makes sense the whole passive home thing (laughs) sorry i know you're like but like a mirror on the outside of a house like covering your whole house in that that is so terrible like imagine walking past a house like that it would be so hot it would be blinding and yeah people would probably walk into it yeah that's the point there is no homes it's Mm. all nature if every house in Sedona, for example, was just a dome of mirrors, there would be no houses and all you would see was nature. No, but you wouldn't. It would be so blinding because the sun would reflect off of it ah, and you be wouldn't right. be able to see. That's the idea, at least. I, I get it, but that's not <laughs> And it reflects the sun so it doesn't get hot. No, it does get hot. No, the, the inside. Right. Well, I disagree. So you don't like the show? <laughs> oh, uh, no, I like it fine enough. I mean, the Aram- I'll continue to watch what Emma Stone does no matter what. I think I kind of, I absolutely love where her career has gone. I love that like she has decided to like chart her own path in the film industry. Like, I don't think she's played like a mom. And like, she she's done a couple rom-coms, but she's never been like the... I don't know. Well, she's still too young for that. That'll happen. I mean, she's really not. I think she's uh, like our age. Jennifer Lawrence has played a mom. When? Like, oh, joy. Yeah, yeah. I just, I'm just saying like she just has done really different and creative things. And I, I appreciate that. Like she's just trying to like go out of the norm and like she was in the favorite. And I don't know. I just, I like that she's going more weird rather than like the more like stereotypical track a woman gets in Hollywood. So I like that she's like, yeah. Agreed. Yeah, like she's trying to be more creative. Yeah, work with Greta next time. And I'm not saying, yeah, like those other roles aren't fulfilling or important, but like I like that she's doing something different. She's a weirdo. Mm -hmm. She's great. Next, time travel time. Irma, what dimension are we in? What year is it? No comment. I don't know what you're asking. I don't know. Time travel. How philosophical do we want to get? Bodies and Loki, we watch the end of both. I'll give my my general thoughts and comparing them both, uh, and then we can see where that conversation goes. Bodies, for anybody that doesn't know, uh, A, you should watch it. It was very good. I was very pleasantly uh, entertained. It was your classic time travel story wherein there are consequences, there is a timeline, and a timeline loop, like we've seen many times before, like Back to the Future, where we understand that the actions of one person in one part of the timeline affects things that happen in another part of the timeline, and if they go back and change things, it affects them, and if you think about it a little bit too much, sometimes it stops making sense, but if you just allow it to be basically a linear path that hopped back a few times to adjust things, it still works. And like the consequences and the actions that the characters take have direct correlation to 
the rest of the story. Like in Back to the Future, if he goes back in his own timeline and doesn't and makes his parents not meet, then he will not be born. It's not. And okay. And so like, uh, and that's, I feel like I'm, that's like your traditional time travel story. Yeah. I think this was like very well done. I definitely had like a couple questions here and there, but like at the same time, I don't really like some of the questions were answered and some of them weren't. And I think like both are okay. Like, I don't think it really detracted from the story that like there were some things that like just kind of confused me, but at the same time, like it all, it didn't matter ultimately. And I, I don't know. I think this, the show did a really great job. It was very entertaining for sure. I agree. And on the other side of the spectrum of what, like, I'm going to call it kind of a new way to explore time travel and multi dimensions, where I think this is where it really starts to separate itself is when the actions of the characters don't really affect the characters we're watching. They affect and create alternate timelines and alternate iterations of a story to the point where there are infinite stories that need to be harnessed and none of them matter because the consequences don't affect what we're watching. And if Marty McFly goes back in time and makes his parents not meet, instead of it just affecting the story that we're watching, it actually destroys time itself and everything turns to spaghetti. No, it it would just create a different timeline right, where then, Marty doesn't exist, but like he would still exist in his original timeline. And 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 then that person would do something else and there'd be infinite branches until there's one Jonathan Majors. And if you kill him for some reason, everybody turns to spaghetti. So the difference is you can take in the first story, the first type, you can understand that this kid calls a number and explodes a bomb and that affects all the timelines we're watching or he doesn't. And that affects the timelines we're watching. Or you can be told that because Sophie is that no, not Sophie. Well, so you're talking about Loki now. I, you no, never I'm going said back and forth. Well, I know, but you didn't really oh, say yes. Loki. what is from what. B- or if um, si- what's what's the Sylvie? Sylvie kills Kang. Everything is destroyed, Me and you just accept that. that because he is holding time together. No, because he is like protecting the sacred timeline, and so she kills him because she's like we. I don't want to just protect the sacred timeline. And so they allow like these, like um, these choices to manifest into other branches. And so that's what like goes crazy is because like they start extending and then dying because there's no one there to like protect them. He was just like, so it didn't branch off. Sure. But the TVA was doing that also, right? Well, the TVA was doing was that because of branches. him. And so when Sophie and Loki go back to the TVA and explain. <laughs> now you're calling her Sophie. Well, that's her real name anyway. Is it? Yeah. Sophie DiMartino. Wow. Um, what are the odds? So like when they go back to the TVA and they explain what's going on and they're the ones who allow the extra branches to like grow. Sure. So it really didn't matter if they killed him or not, to be honest. Exactly. Nothing mattered. And I do respect this is where I came back to. So I think the finale of Loki season two uh, was actually. So had you heard 
me speak about it. Um, you would say that I would, did not like this show. I actually think in the last episode said it was just bad. Uh, and I thought the finale as a standalone thing, when they finally centered on what they were trying to do, worked. And it was pretty good. They also made an entire season of television, which was supposed to be a waste of time. And I kind of love that. I don't think it was supposed to be a wa- waste of time. I think so. To me, the 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 show Loki is just like a character study. It's like showing Loki's growth over sure. however many however long we've spent with him. Like to be honest, Loki is I think my favorite character. But also we've spent so much time with him. I mean, in the MCU, so like. I don't know. I loved the show. I love these people. Did it always make sense? No. Do I care? No. Like, I don't know. It's sad. Like he went on Jimmy Fallon after the final of this episode or the series finale. I was just like, I've had such a, like, this has been such a privilege of my life playing this character. Like, I'm so honored to have done it for this, like however many years and like, yeah, saying goodbye. So like, I think he's done and that's sad. He'll like, be back. I mean, yes, I definitely think he'll be back. But at the same time, I don't know. It's it's just, uh, I don't know. It makes me sad. Tom, you didn't get enough of Tom Hiddleston as Loki. I, he's just so good at it. He is pretty good at it. That's also exactly what you just said is how I justified a pretty bad uh, last season and finale of Lost. When you say, well, it was about the friends we made along the way means that the story didn't work. Uh, I disagree. But that's exactly what you just said. It was about the characters. But well, yeah, but it wasn't I mean, really. It was about the story moving forward and getting Kang and and blah, 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 blah. I mean, I kind of I understand it. I'm not going to go into like the nitty gritty, <laughs> but like it made sense to me. I yeah, well, like, You kind of just accept it, though. Like, yeah. I understand. Like, yeah, sure. She did this, so this happened, and this branch just got out of control, and this giant loom was too wasn't strong enough, so they had to shoot a thing at it, and that didn't work, and Timely had to do this, and then instead Loki had to go into it and somehow do it all himself after centuries well, because, of training. Yeah, after I centuries of training, he became like the master of time. He became he who remains, essentially. Yeah, I get that. Okay. But like I can also just describe six plot points to a story. And you'll be like, yeah, okay, without it, like watching it for seven hours, being like, yeah, this all tracks. You know, it's just, it was all over the place. And yes, I understand where we got to, but I don't know. It just didn't work. But the uh, season finale was fine. And back to bodies. (laughs) Uh, What more specifically? So we got it. We kind of got off track talking about the differences, but um I don't know. What do you, where do we go from here? Oh, I feel like we talked about bodies already. Well, do you want to go into any nitty gritties or we just say uh, people should watch it? Because we didn't really talk about any of the plot, uh, how they ended it. Yeah, well, let's do a little, just a little bit of how they ended it. I really liked the last few episodes. I thought it all came together really well. The May future actress I thought was excellent. Mm-hmm. The tiny girl that we've talked about. Um, Stephen Graham is always good and he was so he's Al Capone. Like, yeah, well, Al Capone from Boardwalk Empire, but you know, Tommy Gunn from Snatch. He was so unlikable in yeah. certain in so much of it. But then the parts that I really 
watch him and be like, wow, that was a really good job was when at one point they were kind of filling in the gaps of the story. And when he was being charming to um, the the daughter that yeah. he ends up marrying. Mm-hmm. Polly, like, I think. He's just also so convincing as that. I know. But I when I was watching it, I kind of thought like he's a bit too old, I think, for this part. Like, I think he needed to be a little younger. True. But yeah, that doesn't to, really to matter. To then grow into. Yeah. Like, she was obviously much younger than Yeah, him. oh yeah. But maybe that, like, that was part of it. I don't know. Like, just, um, he needed an older guy, found a younger woman to mm-hmm. have a baby with, essentially. But yeah, again, like, how the time travel worked, some of it, some of it could be different, but you still want to see it as a story. So it's not like once one person makes a decision, technically, in the, in, if you try and well, none of it's real. So however you want to interpret time travel, it's like once the future lady decided I'm going to change things, like none of it should have happened if she already did that, you know, like the loop would have already been broken. That's where time travel starts to get. Well, this is like a show about that story. Exactly. So you have to show, even if it scientifically, I guess you would never see it change because it would just, if it had been, it always will be. But for a show, you have to show the whole loop. And Do you think like there's her changing be her mind. A second season? Uh they definitely left it open to potentially be. Yeah. Uh, I think it would be somewhat like I was really satisfied kind of bringing it back to Loki and the MCU of like there never really is conclusions in the MCU and I think that's why people are starting to very obviously grow tired of it. Like the numbers are devastating for uh, the Marvels Mm -hmm. and basically everything that MCU MCU has put out. Uh, So like, I think at some point like Endgame technically had a very satisfying end and it was like, well, let's keep going. So this show had a very satisfying end. The arc that we were watching, the characters we were watching pretty much ended the only glimmer that they showed is like potentially two of the characters could keep working together. Almost like you're watching Dr. Who now, mm-hmm. like a completely separate thing. So like they well, understand time kind of travel like, and like they can help solve other shit because of it. They stopped this one really bad thing from happening, but then did that cause something else exactly possibly like it's really humanity. bad to happen yeah. which yeah so like i'm just kind of curious like where it could go i mean and this is based off of a comic book and i assume that there's more to the story so yeah i would be interested I, i'm not clamoring for another season no. i think it worked and i'm happy with it but if it came back would we watch it for sure mm-hmm. and especially because i think your your girl seems to be like has taken over as like the main character so we'll see her name is Shira Haas, which I actually did know, but I had to remind myself. Shira Haas and then um, Ameka or Amaka Okafer is is the other one. So yeah, they would be they would be like the two leads of like and hopefully know, that other guy time comes traveling back. bandits yeah. almost. So yeah. well, and then let's just put a pin in Loki. We're kind of jumping back and forth, but that was kind of the thought I had. Like they're very similar in what they do, just handled it very differently. Uh, so you think? Well, it sounded like he's saying goodbye. But so he's holding all of time and space together somehow, yes. whatever. That's fine. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's a comic book show. I know, I know, I know. It's um, meant to be ridiculous enough for the top. Like, I loved it. I don't care what you say, whatever other people say. I and, like Loki. And so like then that's so. But Kang is coming back. Right. 
or like at least for now, unless they totally pivot. Because I truly again, have no idea. Apparently, I mean, so I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah, well, we didn't. We still the first MCU movie you haven't seen in theaters in how long yet? Uh, the Marvels we haven't seen yet, and I hear that there's a stinger at the end where Ken, that Kang is in. I'm pretty sure. I mean, spoiler alert, Zach. Oh, sorry. How, I you hate getting spoiled like The Kang like Dynasty, that. like the Kang Dynasty, it's all happening. Uh, unless, so Jonathan Majors, obviously, they could, they're going to need to pivot hard or not. I don't know. I mean, they could just recast him. Sure. But bring, like, uh, bring, what's that guy from, uh, oh my God, who's in Iron Man? And- that would be funny if <laughs> they brought Terrence Howard. Such a different energy. Terrence Howard from Jonathan Majors. Yeah. He's just like so subdued, a totally yeah. subdued Kang. That would be funny. I prefer it. Just kidding. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Why do you hate Jonathan Majors? No, so I don't. Much? I just thought like as I, at him as timely was awful. I thought mm. him as he who remains was fine. He's great. He was good in the finale. He was good. But as timely, like every choice he made was just wrong. Like it was so it was too much. It was too much. It was a caricature. Whatever. Yeah. All right. Let's do the movies. Now we're going to be all glowing from here on out. Happy Zach. I've been glowing. Well, maybe no. except for the curse. I don't know. Well, you're mid. You're mid, you're mid on the curse. Yeah. Uh, I'm mid on Loki. Uh, but movies. We got. Which one do you want to start with? Let's do the holdovers. Okay. We actually, we went to the theaters. We saw the holdovers. Um, if you're listening to us and you don't want to be spoiled, go see the holdovers. Very good. Just in general, um, funny, pretty much exactly what I thought it was going to be. If you like the descendants, if you liked Nebraska, if you like, uh, election, um, in my, in my TikTok review, check it out. Uh, I, I kind of name dropped a few. It seemed like Alexander Payne took a bunch of pieces of his different work about Schmidt election, Nebraska, uh, mixed Paul Giamatti back in and then took like pieces of the graduate, like a coming of age vibe with less sexual tension. Graduate, I know is like very much about a sex. Um, and then like a dead poet society, but a little less hokey, a lot less hokey, honestly. Um, but you know, similar things and then a similar time period and mushed them all together into this very funny, very heartwarming, um, just really good. I really liked it. Yeah, this was honestly like for me better than I expected. Like I saw like the trailers and whatnot for it. And I was just like, eh, that looks a little silly. Like how good can that honestly be? And honestly, like I was like so pleasantly surprised. This movie is really great. And it's like nostalgic for a time that like I wasn't even alive for. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it made me feel like, oh, like remember that? You know, <laughs> it's not, this is not my story. Um, but no, I just I thought it was really great. Yeah, I think so when, enjoyable. when we first talked about this flick, I think I described it as something like a, a throwback. Mm-hmm. Like that's what the trailer looked like. Yeah. And that's exactly what it was. It was like they there's just not that many of these movies anymore. Where there used to, it feels like there used to be a lot Mm, where like, it was like about, it was a character speaking of like, it was character driven. It wasn't this massive plot, but the plot was. Oh, so you don't like big stories now either? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm sick of all the big stories. Um, But no, but like, I like an intimate affair 
And I love a coming of age. I love a self-discovery when it's an older person. I tend to call it a self-discovery. This had both of them. Yes. Um, Yeah, I guess we're going to get a little bit more plot forward. But yeah, go see The Holdovers. It was really good. And very funny. Yeah, very funny. Very sad at times. Yeah. Touching. The only thing I'll say um, that I guess is spoiler if you don't want to know, but like. The whole lazy eye thing just killed me. Yeah. Well, it was I, very distracting for a while. It very much Because was. I really was like in my head the whole time. I was like, wow, does Paul Giamatti have a lazy eye? And I just never noticed. And then they finally address it in the movie. But like, I don't think he has a lazy eye. Like, I think it was just a contact, but it was so well done. And the fact that Paul Giamatti is willing to look this bad. I mean, I know he's an actor. Yeah, it's kind of his thing. Know, it's not it's like it's Brad Pitt thing. doing You're, it. Yeah, I no know, offense, I know. Mr. Giamatti, but, like, but I, feel I think like he, I like, know. You know. Even more was like more self-deprecating. Yeah. And like, there was a part where he had to run and his run <laughs> so was funny. just like the funniest run, like funniest old man run I've, I've seen. But so accurate at the same time. I don't know. I, I, this movie was delightful. And Divine Joy and Randolph, I know you hated her accent. Weird I, choice. What? Weird choice, I said. I didn't. It didn't bother me. Honestly, it really, really didn't bother me. She, to me, was the heart of the story without her. Because mm. I think, like, for a while, Paul Giamatti and this kid, like, they're just not connecting. And she's the one that kind of forces them to, like, just talk and speak and whatever. Um, yeah, she just did a great job. And I know she has been in talks for supporting actress. She's the front runner. Is she? For now. Best Which I think ops. is amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, I think she did so great. And like, I love that she was in this and yeah. Yeah. It's obviously very early in the Oscar front. Yeah. And a lot of the other pe- things that people assume will get nominated. Not that many people have seen yet because they're not out. Um, but as of right now, she had the best odds. Well, also because um, Lily Gladstone in Colors of the Flower Moon, technically you could say she should be in Best Supporting Actress. And I think if she was in Best Supporting Actress, she would win hands down. But the fact that she's like moved to Best Actress, that leaves it open for Divine Joy and Randolph. So I don't know. But yeah, I agree. She was really good. And you talked about not playing a, a mother, but Divine, she played the mother. Yeah. And like both theoretically and like physically, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there were two different, she was kind of the motherly figure to these two men that she was not related to. And then her being a mother was a major plot point in the rest of the story and kind of the grounding feature of like making the men understand that what they're going through is nothing like what she's going through. Yeah. And I felt like it it grounded them and gave them an opportunity to kind of open up um, and like express themselves. And I just, yeah, it was, yeah, connect. And like it, the, my only slight critique and like, it's a movie. So obviously this is going to happen. And like, that's what the story is about. But if so, let's say Paul Giamatti's character in this movie is what? 60 Mm -hmm. somewhere between 60, 65. So he's lived 60 years as this guy. And then in seven, eight days, like completely softens, becomes a completely different person because of one student. I mean, it's possible. I'm not saying it's not possible. I feel like that's not the thing that I am hung up 
on it. I'm all. also not hung up on it. I just thought about it for like a split second while watching. Of like, so he never allowed himself to talk to anybody else about any of their troubles to then realize that like, oh, these kids also have troubles and I can help them as opposed to just like kind of belittle them for Mm -hmm. how many years, like how they showed him in the beginning. And then, but he, yeah, I guess he didn't change that much. He just like had a connection with this kid. And, uh, it was just, it was really convincing. Well, yeah, because he saw himself in this kid who was like battling like a a broken home and whatever. I don't know. Right. No, exactly. Because he kind of went into these teaching scenarios as you shouldn't technically as being like antagonistic. Like he saw the kids, these rich people that could afford to go to the school as kind of like the problem. And like, you know, other people that he went to the school with became these rich people and sent their kids and he's still here just teaching them. Yeah. But then he learns that this kid is not one of those. It's like much more complicated. And he's only, he's kind of only here because of strange circumstances. Uh, So like he drops that, that the fire that was kind of not allowing him to connect to his students and, uh, and fixed everything (laughs) and everybody fixed everything. And then I loved how they ended it. Uh, Just like him. I knew it was going to happen, but it was, it was so nice. I mean, well, it wasn't really a happy ending. No, not really. But like, well, like in theory, no. Well, not in theory. Like practically when you're like, well, now this guy doesn't have a job. Yeah. Sure. But like he didn't want that job. That wasn't it for him. I mean, I agree. Especially going into the twilight mm -hmm. of his life. Like it was just the kick in the ass that he needed. Honestly, like he's done enough of this teaching. And it obviously wasn't good. Like it wasn't working for him. He was, he was just being mean to kids. Yeah. <laughs> that's not, that's not what we want from anybody. I mean, he was very funny when he was being mean. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Giamatti, Giamatti is going to get nominated. We already talked about Div- divine joy might win. I want to see him as a teacher, like actual teaching, like in a movie more. Like I just, that was so yeah, funny. He was, he was just a very convincing curmudgeonly, yeah. um, very smart, like uh, yeah. A scholar mm-hmm. is the word I was looking for. And like the, and the, just like, like everything about it. There were so many little things that were so funny. A, the, the lazy eye that we actually have, I wanted to kind of Google it, but then I also don't because I just wanted to be a mystery because I'm convinced they kept switching, which I was they did. lazy. They did. 100% like, I would they did. keep trying to track what was happening. And then it, I was like, it no, was, it was definitely the other eye. Yeah, because it was the right eye, I think, for most of the movie. But then a couple it times it was the left eye. Yeah. And d- or it was the, yeah, either way. Yeah. And just different interactions that the they had together. Very funny. Very poignant. Yes. Made me smile. Made you laugh. Made you cry. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. Alexander Payne, you did it again. Under two hours? Uh, no, I actually think it was a little bit over two no. hours. Yeah, it was kind of long for what it was. But I felt, actually, I would give, I, well, now that you've listened, so you definitely have seen it if you're listening this far. Uh, but I would give at least like the first 15, 20 minutes is, is fine. Nothing amazing. Maybe, and then, then it starts to pick up. And I was very happy when they got rid of the other kids. Yeah. Because at first I thought, they're like, terrible. I thought the other kids were going to be in it for a lot longer, much like Dead Poet Society. Um, and it's going to be like an ensemble thing. And it got much better when it was just the three of them alone in a giant castle together, basically, like at the school and with the janitor as well. That was nice. Next, 
I say I'm going to get, I say this every week, the big one, <laughs> David Fincher's The Killer, starring Michael Fassbender about an assassin. Irma, what'd you think of The Killer? Wow. <laughs> this is an expertly crafted movie by an expert filmmaker. I was just so impressed. There was like every beat was important. Like every little thing, every choice. It was just like, I don't know how to explain it, but like I just felt like this was so well done. And this was just like a great filmmaker at his height of his craft. Like it was just so well done. There was just like so many filmmaking choices that I just was like really impressed by. Even if like assassin movies are not your thing, like I just thought this was like so well done. And for the most part, like the movie itself was just like a very simple story, you know? So like I I felt like I could notice all of these choices that were being made more, if that makes sense. It sure does. And I fully agree. This movie was a vibe. It was artistic. Uh, I started screaming (laughs) of like, that is how you do style and substance of there's like a very obvious style that David Fincher brings to a lot of his work and Irma pointing it out, pointed it out. He is famously obscenely and obsessively meticulous to the point where he very particular has driven actors and the crew mad on the 70th take of one shot because somebody mumbled or somebody took a weird step. Like I imagine they did some of these shots so many times that they were going to go nuts, but it, it gets it. He needs everything to be perfect. And I, I love that about him. And I felt like it was like, it was like mirroring what the actual movie was about. Like, yes, this was about like, um, uh, an assassin, but this like assassin had to be so perfect Mm -hmm. and precise and whatever. And yeah, like I just, it really fit with what Fincher was trying to, to do, trying to say. Yeah. So Fassbender's, character is wildly meticulous he has a code he has patience he takes everything slow he talks to himself about it and what i loved about it was he was narrating his mantras and being so meticulous and he just kept messing up yeah and that's like i loved like the unreliable narrator i actually love that yeah so from like i was shocked well would actually before i start doing plot points just Fincher in general, I, I, f- I feel like he is easily one of my favorite filmmakers. He gets me. It feels like he gets my vibe. He gets like nearly every movie he makes is exactly what I what I want and what I need from filmmaking. And I feel like in the zeitgeist, well, A, he doesn't get as much respect as I think lots of other filmmakers do, like Martin Scorsese, um, you know, give him. 30 more years and we'll see. But many others, like he never really wins awards. His, his, one of his worst movies, not that Mank was bad, but like, just like he basically had to do something completely different than he's ever done to get the recognition Wait, that he the should Didn't the social network win? Uh, didn't win, but yeah, the social network, obviously. And that's like considered one of the best yeah, movies great. of that decade. He's, that movie is fantastic. So right, Mank and the social network kind of got his recognition and fight club i feel like was pivotal in many young boys life exactly and that's kind of what i'm gonna get to 
The bros, think, you're a Fincher bro. Well, yeah, but like that's the, so that's like in the zeitgeist, I feel like he's slightly diminished because of how, let's say, Commercial? stereotypical it is mm. for a mid-30s man to say that Fight Club is arguably my favorite movie of all time. Yep. And Seven and Fight Club together. Very cliche. Really changed the way that I understood movies and art and like i don't think i would be doing this right now without tyler durden Mm -hmm. i would not be speaking to you in on this microphone about movies without tyler durden so david fincher like from back then has really affected my life and i feel like a lot of people feel that way and so therefore it's kind of like i've a lot of other people that talk about movies would not say what I just said because it's like technically fairly generic, kind of like it's just commonplace. It's like I love football also. That doesn't mean football is bad. I'm just a man that loves football and Fight Club, and that's okay. Uh, and the killer, back to the killer. It was just like this perfect vibe. The only thing I regret while I was watching it was maybe we should have gone to the movie theater Yeah, because I kept, I was blasting our stereo system because the sound design was so cool. It was so cool. And props to Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross working with Fincher again, as usual. Um, Just like obviously the soundscapes and like the background and all of the droning and the and everything that's, I'm not sure where Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross stop and David Fincher and whoever does like sound design and, and Foley and all that start. But even like, like choosing the music. Yeah. But like, even as a mix, I loved how loud he made it. So like the streets, when he was out in the streets, it was loud. It was mm-hmm. noisy. It was hard to hear things because like the world is loud and he wasn't scared of just putting that all in there. Um, and the and then crescendoed by the heart thumping of the fight with that. Uh, I think he's an. I MMA mean, fighter. I think that's like the standout scene of the movie. Well, I mean, I, that people and the disagree. Yeah, and it's basically like a a movie of featurettes, kind of. Yeah, like there's an overarching story, but it's nothing we haven't seen before. Uh, but it's like the performances and then the just the style of the filmmaking that makes this assassin's revenge story better than so many other assassin's revenge stories and so back to the that fight like just the the droning thump that he that they added like that just it sounded different than it was so intense any other fight scene i've ever seen it found it it sounded just like so real yeah i can't like no but no but it was it was like surreal it was bigger like the it was almost like we were hearing what was happening on the outside of their bodies and the inside of their bodies mm. at the same time. Like he had that droning thump, which is like the heartbeat that was happening. Yeah. I also think like it was like the way like when that guy was like running too, and like the pounding of yeah. his feet. And I don't know. It was just yeah, it was so well done. It was so cool. It was fantastic. So well staged. I mean, I can't imagine doing that a hundred times. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Talking about how many times he does takes. Uh, I can't. I'm sure there have been, but like how many times? Well, Fight Club. But how many times has there been things that like breaking through tables and like stabbing I mean, each I, other? I doubt that they did it that many they times. Might have, they I might have know. done it a lot of times. How many tables do you think they can well, knock over? Well, also like I imagine 
I mean, Fassbender was wearing like a black turtleneck and a black beanie. So I imagine it was actually just like a stunt performer <gasps> who's like a professional and like. Oh, sure. So I, I imagine they did it like a ton of times and then for filming, they like hopefully were ready. But Although who knows? old Michael was looking like he could have been doing most of that himself. Oh, uh, yeah. You I don't see know. the yoga he was doing? Yeah. You can't bend like that. Yeah. He but, put his uh, face into his feet. That was insane. Yeah. He is in wildly good shape. I mean, he's like, he's a type. He's like a sinewy, long, athletic type, but sure. he is no doubt athletic and in really good shape. I, yeah. was, I was like thoroughly impressed by the beginning, the yoga he was doing. I was like, that's some of the best yoga I've ever seen. And yeah. he's just an actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that I, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I loved, like, I was genuinely shocked when he missed in the beginning. Yeah. I was like, okay, he was doing this such a long sequence. Well, you assume that he's good at his job. Exactly. Well, like, <laughs> I think he is. He just I mean, made maybe. a mistake. Yeah. And, and then, like, I, it was just so, like, I audibly gasped. Yeah. And then just the, and then it was just a roller coaster from there of figuring out what he does now. Um, you know. Well, I just feel like we're so used to seeing assassin movies where they're, Great. Yeah. They're perfect. They're perfect. And I like that this is not that, you right. know, he was, and he has to clean up his own mess. Yeah. He was very flawed. He made a lot of mistakes. Like he kept messing up when he, when he killed the lawyer. Yeah. And then he was like, okay, I should based on his height and weight and three nails into his lungs. I should have seven to eight minutes to, for him to give me the information I need. Mm-hmm. And then immediately died. And he went, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Like every, it was just so cool how the story progressed and then he had to deal with the woman and then he showed like actual compassion with the, I guess it was like the lawyer's secretary, Yeah, but she was obviously in on the whole, like she understood Mm -hmm. what was happening. Um, But then like he caught, he still kills her, but he does it in a way that like she asked for. Yeah. And the only time he really shows real uh, sympathy or empathy for, for somebody uh, except for his girlfriend or wife or partner, they never yeah. really say. Um, but yeah, it like it, it was like a it was a study in in dichotomy and like he had he had this mantra and he, these ideas that he kept telling us, but then he wasn't really doing a lot of them. Like he wasn't following his own laid out path, and I really liked that. I really appreciated that. Like a lot of times, people just say their big mantra. And then that's what the more story's about. But this was kind of the opposite. Yeah. Like he kept saying, don't improvise, follow the plan. But then he kept improvising and the plan kept changing and, you know, all of these different things and have no, no connections. But then obviously all he wants is connection. Yeah. And like, even with that, like scene at the airport, like he sees like some guy that he thinks is maybe following him. So he like changes his flight path and like go somewhere else and then like has a whole hotel room scene which I thought was really creative but then like if he would have just gone home like he had originally intended maybe he would have been there and could have saved his girlfriend and then like the whole thing could have oh true I kind of forgot the timeline because I was thinking that like so the the people got there too early but it was because of that he like wasted a day yeah he was supposed to be there early and then the reason well, why also they, he's not supposed to go home. Once you mess up, I think you're just like, no, you're supposed to start over like yeah, in general. Disappear. Disappear. I assume that they would probably just kill them. Like he knew that was the end. Yeah. And 
I don't know. But like, I don't think that like the lawyer knew that he had a girlfriend that they would have killed her. Yeah. You know, like they, they were there for him, not her. Yeah. Then he, she got in the way. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, it was really good. It was a vibe. Mm. I was just in on it. I would definitely want to watch it again. Yeah. Or you can even kind of watch it in pieces. Like, all right, now I just, I just want to watch the, the fight again, or I just want to watch the Tilda Swinton scene with the, you know, the snifters of, and of whiskey. And, yeah. That's what I keep hearing, but I couldn't um, verify that. I looked at the locations because I also looked, I was trying to pinpoint like the waterfront. That's not a thing in Beacon. It's called something else. Well, we went to a restaurant that is on like, there's yeah. like a mini river, not mm-hmm. on the Hudson that yeah. like kind of overlooks the, but the that's river, not what but that that's not what like. it is. But I think that restaurant is just whatever. There's a ton of restaurants like that up there. But in general, he does go to Beacon. I think that's like the, the train stop he goes to. I don't know. Kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. The Tilda Swinton part was awesome. Yeah. And then like she's living the life that he wants, I think. I don't know. Yeah. Well, again, like no connections, no friends. Be meticulous, but then he's jealous of this woman that seems to be able to have friends and family and live mm-hmm. in the suburbs and be no- relatively normal while also being an assassin. Yeah. Awesome flick. I would have to think about and probably rewatch a bunch of them of where in the Fincher Geist this lands. Uh, I'm going to say it's definitely going to be in my top five movies of the year. This feels like if you listen to last year in the beginning when we first started this. Um, podcast. I think we both kind of talked about our favorites and I believe we did five or six and this feels like it fits the Northman hole that last year, the Northman was on that list for me. And this year, this fits kind of right in there. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely really good. And we'll see, maybe it'll somehow sneak into nominations. That would be cool. I think it can. That would be cool. Why not? So it's certainly, um, I think if it doesn't get some sort of, obviously I'm no expert in this field and like the experts actually vote on it. But if um, Ross and, and Resner or, and then whoever does like the sound editing and the sound design, they have to get nominated. It just sounded so cool yeah. for what it was. Like it was just overwhelming. I wish we, yeah, that's the one thing I wish we saw in like our, our beloved Dolby theater would have been awesome. Could we have seen it in theaters? Uh, yeah, it's in some, I don't, th- mm-hmm. it's not in the Dolby theater. It's like, I think well, it's, yeah. I think it's more like at the Alamo. Right. Um, and some of the smaller ones, I don't think it's even in the AMC, uh, but we got to watch it at home and that was very convenient. Thank you, Netflix. And finally, we watched this movie last night. Quiz Lady starring Aquafina and Sandra O oh on Hulu. It is about a sad lady. <laughs> Aquafina plays a sad lady whose mother, absent mother, uh, never really took care of them, is now in an old age home and uh, disappears. They never really get, they never, now that I'm thinking, anyway, we'll get well, to no, the she plot. disappears because she owes like casino guys a lot of money. So True. she runs away. Right. And um, her sister, Aquafina's sister, Sandra O, oh, is the, was the one that took the difficult upbringing and kind of turned into a wild child, whereas Aquafina's character, who was 10 years younger, turned in kind of like the insular, sad, sit at home, watch, watch trivia shows for every day, all day. Uh, she became very smart, but she hates her job. She hates the I people know. she works well, with. So you watch Jeopardy most of your life. What <laughs> yeah. happens, Zach? I'm just not as smart as her. Yeah. It's fine. Um, and anyway, to get to the 
they find out that her book here, Bob's bookie, oh, she owes like $80,000 or something, and they take her dog and threaten to kill the dog. Uh, so they're just trying to raise, it's essentially they're trying to raise money to get her mom out of trouble. That's not real. Really, really to get the dog back. I yeah, think. To get, that's true. To get the dog back. Uh, but what's really important is like, it's just these two sisters kind of trying to figure out what to do with the next phase of their life. And Sandra O oh pushes Aquafina to go on the quiz show that she is so good at. And we go from there. I have to say, so Aquafina has been a bit oversaturated, I would say, as of late. Um, I thought she was really good in this, though. Like, she played, as you, I think we originally talked about, against type. And I think that was perfect. Like, thank God. Because normally, I think she's kind of grading a little bit. Like, that, like, her raspy voice and, like, just, like, her indignations, if that's the right word, like, can be a little annoying after a while. So, I don't know. I thought, like, the way she carried herself in this movie, like, it really worked. Yeah, I thought this movie was perfect for her. She did a really... I think this is the best performance she's ever given. No, she was great in The Farewell. You can't say the that. Farewell. She was... I Wasn't she nominated oh, for that? Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. That was... Well, that was even... Uh, well, I, I kind of stand by it. Like, that... She wasn't as funny. Both of those were really good. I forgot about that movie. That was a very good movie. Yeah. Um, On her show... She is kind of similar to this character, but this character was sadder and like an older woman inside of the same person's body. And even like Sandra O calls that out. And so like she does like a self-deprecating kind of worthless human thing. Like that's kind of what she does. Like that's kind of her comedy, Uh, but she does it so good. Like playing however, she's probably around our age, I think in real life. I mean, um, they said 33. I bet she's like around there. That. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like her, just like her running too, when they were running around in the car, she kind of did the same yeah, run as Giamatti did. did. She did. Like these little steps, like she just plays an old lady really well, <laughs> yeah. even though she's young. Uh, yeah. I found that part very effective. And then their, their relationship at first was a little weird. Like at first it took me a, a second yeah, to because accept Sandra Oh exactly. As this I agree. Person. I have to say, I adore Sandra Oh. I am obsessed with her hair. I just I can't <laughs> get over how luscious it is. It's beautiful, and like I, I just think she is amazing. But like seeing her dress like a fifteen year old, it was just a bit <laughs> yeah, jarring. And I think I just had to get over that. I mean, she just she did a great job. Like she was great in this. But yeah, I think it was just like a little. I had to like get over that. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit of an adjustment. But yeah. then once you get used to it and once they're interacting a lot more yeah. and talking like people as mm-hmm. opposed to strangers, uh, it, it gets really good. It gets really heartwarming. And actually this is another one where the, the holdovers and quiz lady, the first 15, 20 minutes, you might feel like, all right, this isn't that funny, but then eventually something switched. I don't know what happened. But then it got, it gets so funny. Yeah. Like there were so many bits that I was cackling about. I think this is the best Will Ferrell performance I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He was very good though. He, had he one, was good. Well, he also because he was like in it for like, just, it was a little part. Yeah. And he had one excellent scene. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, the heart, the heart of the, of the whole show kind mm-hmm. of centered around him. The movie, sorry. Uh, yeah. And then she goes on the show. It's, it's funny. Mm-hmm. And then. It made both of us cry. 
<laughs> Even though it was like they were just projecting exactly what was going to happen to us and they finally get to it. And it was just so lovely. We both teared up and we both wiped the little tears away with our blankets. Yeah, I don't even remember what was like. Oh, it was she, the hero. Oh, the hero. Yeah, Spoiler. that was sweet. I'm going to start crying again now. <laughs> it was really nice. Uh, yeah, and Jason Sportsman, he was oh, really God. great. Yeah. Because uh, it's always kind of funny when we're watching Jeopardy. They're like, cat. like, I remember there was like one contestant that I couldn't stand who kept oh, winning. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. You don't like a lot of the people. No, that's not true. <laughs> I think I like most of the people, but yeah. there's like always like a contestant here or there where they like do something or they just like, I don't know. They're just like a bit too cocky or something. And I'm just like, oh, screw you. And yeah, you just start rooting against them or rooting for someone else. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think grandparents are going to love this movie. <laughs> well, a, some, a little veiled shots at Ken Jennings. Yeah. Though, well, oh. like he was kind of the Ken oh, Jennings. Oh, yeah. He was just a much worse. Like, I think. No, Ken Jennings Ken, is delightful. Also, but we didn't watch him when he was actually on the run. That's I true. assume he was as humble and nice as he is now. Yeah. I like I can't. This was I like Jason Schwartzman's character was a complete caricature. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was certainly like that. Like if he was going for Alex Trebek's job, which he wasn't. But now he has it. You know, there was definitely there was reference to it. That's true. I didn't even think about that. Wow, uh, so but deep. we love Ken. So we love deep. Ken. We love Ken. He seems like a very lovely human being, based on he how he portrays himself on on television. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I I again, I really liked this movie. It was fun, just like a, a fun, easy watch. Good Friday, Saturday movie night watch. I don't so know. It was a Monday. Well, I'm just saying. Yeah, whatever. Right. If you right, and you're home. And I was even watching a full full confession. I was watching a lot of sports in the background <laughs> during were. this. Uh, the Knicks were on. No, uh, yeah, the Knicks were on, and Monday Night Football was on. We didn't even talk about the Jets on I Sunday. Want, the Jets you don't want to talk about They're it dead this week? to me. They're all dead. No, they won, didn't they? No, no. I left again. I left at had halftime, so they blew it. No, they no, they no, they didn't win. They sucked. Well, they were winning at halftime. Uh, they were nine to six. Yeah, you're I right. Think. They were. No, they can't score. They suck. Yeah, and I was still like very pleased with the humor. It made me laugh. I feel like there's secretly a lot of good comedies this year. Uh, we'll need to look at our list when we do the year in review. So we've done two trimester reviews. Then now we'll, there'll be a year in review, and we're gonna have to go down the comedies and talk about because I feel like there's a bunch of them. Yeah, I can't remember a single comedy we watched. No, this one. <laughs> Um, bottoms, obviously. Oh, yeah. That's gonna be tippy top. But um Joyride mm. was very delightful. Uh I also really liked the racism jokes that they that Sandra O yeah. were, like most of it was they kept faking. Like she kept um accusing people of it and it never actually was. And then the one time it actually was, she's like, actual racism. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it's just like a really good landing point yeah, for the bit yeah. that they had built to that whole time. Yeah. Uh, and Tony Hale was in this movie. They got a lot of good people. Oh, yeah, people. Tony Hale. He was great. He was funny. Yeah. It just makes me feel like there is a lot of, like, love for Aquafina in this industry that, like, Will Ferrell, Jason Schwartzman, Tony Hale are willing to, like, be in this movie. Not that, like, she wrote it or did anything, but, like, just the fact that, like, she's still being su- supported, even though, like, I do find her slightly annoying, but, like, 
She's I, very she, funny. She is very funny. That I, I guess I'm. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, I want her to succeed ultimately. Like, I want her to keep making movies and putting things out there. And like, I think it's okay if I don't love everything. But in general, like, I do think she's very good. And same with Sandro. I mean, I, I adore her no matter what. So, I know it kind of stinks that like movies like this, like five years ago, would have been in theaters, but now it's just like on Hulu, which stinks when you think about it but also like it's great for us i yeah. don't know it's so hard uh, it's we're kinda, not getting into that conversation well but. it's kind of well you already did it's kind of great for everybody i don't know like i understand that conversation and it feels less like maybe 10 years ago let's say when like something like how when was no mean girls was like 20 years ago oh my god we're so old <laughs> they're making a musical, I know the musical mo- movie, movie is coming out um but yeah, you're kind of right. Like this feels like something. It has major stars in it. If it was out in movie theaters, I feel like a lot of people would be talking about it. People would have seen it. Um, uh, Hulu doesn't do the best job promoting their stuff. Like it was. Was it even on when I turned it on? Was it even the first thing? No, we had to search that for was it. There? I just searched because I think it no. Can- we had to search for the killer, which was I thought was crazy. I think Quiz Lady. No, it was down though. It was not right there. I had to go down. But also it was it. like a week after it came out, we decided to put it on. So maybe like the first couple of days it was up there, but. Oh, true. I guess it was a few days. It yeah. was a few days. Uh, but yeah, you're right. But I feel like ultimately more people will probably see it because it's just right on the internet. than people would have seen it in movie theaters, but it just doesn't get the same amount of buzz. Anyways, next week we're going to do our, I mean, we keep hint, we keep, we're going to ultimately always talk about Oscars because at this point we're getting to that season, uh, but we're going to add a section, marital bliss, industry talk, Oscar talk for the last week, uh, each month. And then that section is probably going to get bigger and bigger as it gets closer and closer. So that'll be the first dedicated Oscars. Well, let's talk. Well, I think I'll go into gold derby and talk about like who's in the lead, what's going on there and what we think based on what we've seen so far. And then uh, right now, after I cook dinner, we're going to watch murder at the end of the world. Episodes one and two are out on Hulu. So we're definitely going to be talking about that next week. We're going to talk about the actual goosebumps finale. (laughs) Can we not? (laughs) I simply must now. Um, I also believe there is only one episode left of welcome to Wrexham. And I really want to talk about it because I am wildly impressed by how good a second season of like a docu-series about a, a fifth level English soccer team is like, I think it's fantastic. How are you like that impressed? Like it's Ryan Reynolds, like, and Rob McElhenney, they know what they're doing. You mean that surprised? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know because like I didn't expect it to be as so heartwarming, heartfelt yeah. and like understanding and all consuming of the community of mm-hmm. the fans. Like it's not just about Michael Jordan finishing his career. No, you know? I know. Like it's so much more than that. And I, I'm wildly You mean impressed David by Beckham. It. Well, either one, either one. Uh, and then I think I'm, we're going to, I don't, we're going to see a movie. We haven't decided exactly what I think we're going to see a movie in theaters this week. I am going to try and go see Thanksgiving around how, whatever oh, we do. Boy. Uh, but also, yeah, we might we have some plans on Saturday. We might have some plans on Friday. So we're, uh, we'll, I'm going to figure it out. Maybe I'll sneak it in before or after we see whatever movie we see together. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm kind of excited for it. 
Slaughterfest. And I think that's it. Thank you to Craig for the production assistance. And thank you to John Welsh for our intro and outro music. Subscribe. So, you know, every time we post a new episode, follow us on all the socials. Twitter, X, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, That's it. Thank you very much for listening as always. Love you. Um, uh, Irma. uh, What? uh, Goodbye, dad. (laughs) It's a quiz lady joke. Uh, from, From our living room to yours. What do you want to watch? <laughs>